Would you pray with me as we move into our time of hearing from God through his word today? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your generosity. Pray that you would just help us to hear from your word and that you would speak through your word today. We love you and we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So I'm so glad each of, one, each of you are here today. We have had a lot of amazing moments in this service already, and it's so fun to see how everybody had a great summer, and now we're getting ready to go back to school. So today, we're going to talk about wisdom. And uh, I think that the, the time for this is appropriate, not just for students and teachers, but for all of us. So I hope we'll see that as we go along. Thirteen years ago, I stood in awe of the wisdom of God displayed through my father as he preached to a few hundred miners as they headed down into the coal mine to begin their shift in Chikandini coal mine in Limpopo, South Africa. With compassion and conviction, he proclaimed to the miners that Jesus is the light and that going down into the mine is uh, without light. It's like living your life without Jesus. If you don't have Jesus in your life, it's like going down into the mine with no light whatsoever. He said, your job will be difficult, it will be unsuccessful, and you put yourself and others in danger. The hard, tired faces of men stained with black, smears of coal and dust began to soften and light up as they heard these words. Their job was fiercely dangerous, and it had actually only been nine days since they had a major accident in the mine. So they knew the risk of the task that was ahead, and that image of working deep down in the mine without any light really struck a chord with them. It was wisdom. They needed it, and it was offered to them that day. A good number of miners began their journey of seeking wisdom through a relationship with Jesus Christ that day. Men who had known the reality of Job 28, which is a poem that describes the length to which human beings will go to search out treasure. So would you look there with me now, Job 28. You can look in your Bible or also on the YouVersion app if you hit the More tab in events. We have the text for you there as well. The 28th chapter of Job paints the metaphor of the search for treasures. So we will begin by reading the first 11 verses. And I want you to just listen and let this poem sweep over you. We'll take it in sections. Job 28, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air. Far away from mankind, they swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread. But underneath, it is turned up as by fire. 
Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beast have not trodden on it. The lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. Human minds use all ingenuity to search for physical treasures. We have employed physical strength, technology, and teamwork in order to mine the earth of its riches. And we risk everything, even at times our lives, in order to extract resources from the earth. Job begins this poem explaining these processes and the effort employed by humans to search for treasure. They dig mines, they refine gold, they bring iron up out of the earth and melt copper out of stone. Engineers, wahoot engineers and technicians, build channels and dams to control water. And people even have invented ways to extinguish darkness. Job reflects on these multifaceted ways that humans use ingenuity to create income from the earth. And they provide for their families, making bread from the resources of the land. And this scavenging builds up to the comparison that Job wants to make. Job is creating this idea of how the search for earthly treasure needs to communicate to us the importance of another search the search for wisdom. Job 28 is an extended metaphor in which Job parallels the search for treasures with the search for wisdom, the greater treasure. A Bible I read, the NIV Jesus Bible, explains that Job 28 compares the one who searches for wisdom to a miner searching for something valuable that is buried and hidden in the dark. People will take great risks brave, great depths and heights, and push back darkness in order to find treasure. It says, the search for wisdom is no less strenuous. Wisdom cannot be found in the same places and ways as earthly treasure, but it demands the same kind or even a greater level of ingenuity, strategy, effort, and intention to find it. So just as people plan and invest in order to unearth iron and gold, they should prioritize even higher the search to find this greater treasure, wisdom. So what is wisdom? The New American Standard Topical Reference Bible clarifies that the term wisdom refers to competence in knowledge and skill to succeed in life. Here's a little bit of a, a longer definition, but stick with me because I think every word in it is important. Wisdom is fundamentally practical rather than theoretical in nature. God alone possesses wisdom in the absolute sense and displays it. Here are the two key ways that God displays his wisdom, especially in his works of creation and in redemption in Christ. These are the two key ways we see God's wisdom. But he also gives it to those who seek it in humble reverence toward him. 
Divine wisdom in its application to people refers to the abilities given by God in every area of life, especially in the Old Testament. It talks a lot about craftsmanship and the making of the temple, that these people had wisdom from the Holy Spirit to do their jobs. So wisdom is practical. It's knowledge and insight for doing things, but it's also in making right decisions, knowing God's will and walking in it. So what is wisdom worth? So let's dive back into our poem. Look again with me, Job 28, verses 15 and 19. It, wisdom, cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall even be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. So according to the poem, wealth cannot buy wisdom. Wisdom outweighs the value of all other treasures that we possess, and thus to to attempt to even think that maybe by being a rich person, you are inherently someone who is wise is a falsehood. Or to think that simply because you have a master's degree, you're a wise person, doesn't always hold true. Or simply thinking because you're someone who's been going to church your whole life, you're, it's a given that you're going to be a wise person, not necessarily the case. So wisdom is of greater worth than all of these things, gold, sapphire, onyx, and pearls, and it's worth more than that career that you've been building. It's more valuable than a million Instagram followers, and it has more authority and power and prestige than Bitcoin, even though I did research and find out that one Bitcoin is worth nearly 50,000 US dollars, crazy. So if it's so valuable, and we need to search for it, then this begs the question, where do we look? So let's pick up again in our poem. We'll read verses 12 through 14 of Job 28. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me, And the sea says, it's not with me. We'll also read verses 20 to 22. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. So the poem crescendos up to these central questions. This is the refrain of this poem. This is the key question that Job is asking. The refrain is, where can wisdom be found? From where does wisdom come? And if you're thinking maybe this is an old question and we kind of solved it and we've moved on and we're good, um, I think that you need to reevaluate your thoughts and your mind because maybe you're a little bit wiser than, or you're, you think you're a little bit wiser than you actually are. <laughs> and I think that that's true of all of us. How do we get wisdom? How do we know where to turn for wise counsel? And where can we find help for these crucial life, defunction, life functioning? Is it on blogs? 
Is it out in creation, as our definition has already said? Or is it from pastors, church leaders, or the big names in Christianity? I know we love Max Lucado, Tim Keller, Beth Moore. And perhaps each of these people and places hold within them wisdom, but what is their source? This is the refrain that Job is asking that he comes back to. What is the source of wisdom? So now for the solution to the riddle, let's follow the poem to its conclusion from verses 23 to 28. This final strophe of the poem will also appear on the slide, so you can look up there as well. Job 28, verses 23, picking up from there. Job understand, or sorry, God understands the way to it, and he knows its place, for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out, and he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. There are many things for which we have questions, but we don't necessarily have answers. But here, Job asks a question and God actually answers. It's God. He says to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom wisdom. So if you're searching for wisdom, the fear of the Lord is what you seek. The fear of the Lord is this posture of respect and love for God. It is to treasure his word above all other writings. It's acknowledging that God knows the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil, and that God is the, the one who gets to decide those things not us. So real wisdom does not stay in prison just in the theoretical, but genuine wisdom works out in the practical everyday life. Mining God's word for treasure will equip you to practice wisdom in your everyday life. And the Bible gives us hope also that we can increase in wisdom simply by asking God for it. Did you know that? (laughs) The scripture actually tells us you can just ask him. (laughs) I think that is such a beautiful reality. And since wisdom is a skill, it's something developed over a span of a lifetime and something in which you can actually choose to improve. You can get better at it. So the poem altogether is a beautiful exploration of this concept of wisdom and the search for its source. And Job's answer in the last strophe of this poem reveal that God is the source of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the source of wisdom. The creator installed this knowledge of God in his creation. And the scriptures say we are without excuse. The knowledge of God he has built within the way that he made the universe. All ability to succeed in life comes from knowing and respecting God from understanding that his word and his instructions are a better guide for your life than your own intuition and better advice than that you receive from your friends or from self-help blogs. So wisdom is believing that God's ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts and that his ways are higher than the government's ways or any political party's ways, and that his thoughts are higher than the news analysis from Fox or CBS or Twitter or wherever you get your news. 
competence in knowledge for the skills of life stems from a submission to God as Lord and a praise of him as creator. The ability to see and to choose the right path in life also depends on your acceptance of the redemptive work in Christ. Remember, this is the second way that God displays his wisdom, through the redemptive work of Christ. So competent wisdom requires not just that you assent to these statements conceptually, but then in your actions you carry them out. So do you spend more time in prayer asking God for his will than in listening to the opinions of experts? Do you soak up the words of the scriptures more than the words of your colleagues or more than the sage words of the popular podcast host? (laughs) It is said that we all make 35,000 decisions on average every single day. Goodness, that's an overwhelming number. (laughs) So we're all constantly in a search for wisdom whether we even realize it or not. In order to support these thousands of decisions, we need the right information to help us make wise ones. So we're all searching for information, whether you look on YouTube or Twitter or academic articles or wherever it is, we're all constantly searching for that treasure. But honestly, there is some real sludge out there on Netflix and TikTok and pouring out of even our very own hearts. There is red dirt parading as gold and cubic zirconia trying to shine like a diamond. So we have to be careful with what we consume and let it go through that filter of scripture and God's word and ask, is this wise? As students promote to the next grade and junior hires move to high school and we all move up and teachers and staff face a new year that might even be more challenging than any one in the past, this practical skill of wisdom is to actively choose to deepen your relationship with God. And plain and simple, laziness in looking leads to lack of wisdom. So if people throughout history have put in all this effort to search for gold and God's word tells us that wisdom is more valuable than gold, then how much more should we pursue holy wisdom an understanding of the scriptures, and a nearness to the Lord. So with these treasures, you will be able to test and discern what is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. You will know the way and walk in it, and you will be wise. Let me give you just one hint, though. I feel like you're getting excited, you're getting ramped up to start this search for wisdom. I hope that's what's happening. So as you prepare for this search for wisdom, let us consider where God has revealed it, as we alluded to before. Jesus, as God in flesh, is the embodiment of wisdom. And if we're looking for the source of wisdom, then Christ the Lord is the perfect place to start. Listen to how people reacted to his teachings in Mark 6, 6, verse 2. It says, And on the Sabbath... He began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? 
When people heard Jesus teaching and doing the works that he was doing, they acknowledged this is wisdom. This is something special, like nothing we've ever seen before, and it's still that way today. As Jesus lived out the skill of wisdom, he shocked and dumbfounded all of those who were around him that thought that wisdom came from wealth or religious prestige. He shattered their concepts of wisdom, proving that wisdom's source is Christ himself. So to have a relationship with Jesus, to seek him daily, and to obey him, this is true wisdom. Jesus is the source of wisdom and the answer to Job's question of where can wisdom be found. So if you don't know Jesus, as my father said, you're like a miner plunging down into the depths of the earth trying to do a job without any light. Your job will be difficult, unsuccessful, and you put yourself and others in danger. But if you do have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, please let that light shine. People all around you are desperate for wisdom. Have you seen the way that people live that are not in the church? You can even just see in the grocery store, at the splash pad, everywhere you go, people around you are desperate for God's wisdom. And you have that greatest treasure, more valuable than gold of which others are struggling even to know what to look for or where to look, please help them. Be their guide and show people the way to wisdom. That wisdom is Jesus. So can we together move into a sort of reflective and meditative time? I want you, if you will, in your mind, to just run your eyes over major areas of your life. Your marriage, your job, church involvement, hobbies, friendships, relationships. Within each of these areas, is there a specific spot where you particularly need God's wisdom right now? As someone walking in relationship with the source of wisdom, you have access to the wisdom of God. You can request that wisdom for your relationship, for your situation, or just in general for everything. So I want you now to, just within your heart, lift up to God an area of your life in which you know you need wisdom. Is there a decision you need to make? Do you need to seek wisdom as a parent for your kids going back to school? Do you need to think about how to design your workplace and your daily life to remind you to call on the wisdom of God rather than on your own problem-solving skills? I know you're smart, but God is wise. And make sure that when you ask for wisdom, you have a heart that's willing to listen and to obey. Because God's wisdom sometimes sounds different than our own voices. His wisdom might call you to do the thing that you fear. His wisdom might say, you want a women's ministry? Will you step out in faith and start a women's ministry? His wisdom might call you to prioritize the needs and desires of your spouse over your own. His wisdom might call you to extend hospitality to someone beneath your socioeconomic status in a way that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. (laughs) So ask for wisdom 
and be ready to follow the direction of wisdom as God declares it to you through his word, his spirit, and through your Christian community. So let me leave you with just one reminder and a few questions to consider. So here is a kind reminder. Seek wisdom and choose to grow. Choose to grow in wisdom by reading God's word every day. I know this is an obvious habit for Christians, but likely some of us would admit that we have gotten out of the habit that we've been overwhelmed by concerns of family work and global health and forgotten that the wisdom needed for all of these concerns comes from the source of wisdom, God and his word, Christ and the spirit. That's a kind reminder. And then a few questions to consider as we close. What are things for which you give your time and your energy to search out? What are you seeking with all your strength? Do each of these things deserve your efforts? And is it wise to to continue pursuing them? And finally, if the search for wisdom is supposed to be strenuous, Are you giving it the effort that it deserves? It's supposed to be strenuous. (laughs) Do you prioritize this search above other searches in your life? So during our communion time, you might ponder these questions, or you might take the opportunity to request God's wisdom, perhaps generally or over a particular area of your life. We'll pray our prayer of confession together, and then you're invited to reflect and to share at the Lord's table. So I will pray the words in white, and then if everyone would respond with the words in yellow. We confess to each other and to you, our creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope, that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen. Amen.